Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. I can't wait to hear myself preach. So it's going to be good. It's good. I, um, man, it is an honor and privilege to be able to be with you guys. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you a little bit about myself. Again, my name is uh, Scott Williams. I bring you greetings from the great state of Oklahoma, uh, the city of Oklahoma City, home of the 2018 NBA champions, Oklahoma City. Okay. Okay, okay. That wasn't a joke. That wasn't a joke. I mean, no, seriously, like this whole thunder thing, it's not working out quite like we thought. We're going to get it together, though. Uh, we got we're Westbrook and George and Mello. We're going to get it all together. But I will say, uh, home of the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm a Sooners fan. I don't know if you guys are college football fans around here. Uh, but today just came out. We're number two. We're going to win the championship this year. So I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. And um, Man, you guys are rough on the stuff that really matters, right? Good, you know. But but here's the cool thing. My man said Golden State. Like I'm seriously like I I. That's one thing. That's like, yeah yeah. Like that. That's still a little bit personal for me. The whole Golden State thing. Let me just say this. When it comes to sports teams, what's interesting is this. Like when you claim a sports team, like I say like my Sooners, when they're winning, they're doing well. But you notice when things start to shift and they're not doing well or maybe they leave your city or something, all of a sudden they're the Chargers or the Sooners or your Chargers. You know what I'm saying? And I know there's probably some Lakers fans that now they're just the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Like... They're definitely not your Lakers right now, but it is, um, it's great to be here again. A little bit about me. I'm married. I have one wife. She's awesome. <laughs> Love her. Um, her name is LaKendria, and she's white. <laughs> you know she ain't white with a name LaKendria, you know what I'm saying? Anytime a name begins with La, Sha, Ba, Da, or Ta, you know they black, right? Good. I think we got a picture of my wife. I think we got a picture. Maybe we got a picture. There's my wife. And she's awesome. She's beautiful. She's like the hot fudge and caramel on my Sunday. She's the, the hot sauce and maple syrup on my chicken and waffles. I love her. Good. My wife's a bodybuilding competitor, and so it's like, so like, that's why I talk about food so much. When I travel, I eat whatever I want to, because when I'm around, like, man, we're always like eating healthy and like extra healthy, but when the brothers travel, I eat whatever I want to, and so it's good. And then uh, we have two sons. Our oldest son is Scott Wesley Williams Jr., and he's, uh, he's 18. He's a freshman at OU, and then our, our youngest son is Jaden Scott Williams. He's in, actually a freshman in high school, and I know some of you guys are saying, like, what in the world, like, how in the world... Does he have a freshman? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in college. 
You know what they say, black don't crack. You know what I'm saying? Like, brother, just, that's my family. So that's Wesley right there. He's the one that's at OU. And then Jaden's the one next to him. I think um, just Friday night, my youngest son, Jaden, they played in the state championship in high school football. He plays for a team called Heritage Hall. I think we got a pick of that. Like, we were, man, so like, like that's, that's us. And so 14-0 season, the score was 14-0. And so, man, they won the state championship. So you can go ahead and give a hand clap because I know you don't got a football team to cheer for around here anymore. You cheer for the gold ball. There you go. So it, it's good. And let me tell you, man, I, I travel around the world, so I'm always at man, churches, and I get the opportunity to speak at, at corporations, Fortune 500 companies. I'm all over the place. And, and so I get to work with some great leaders and some great ministries. And I just want to tell you guys, that as someone that, that speaks at lots of churches and around lots of people, I know you probably hear this because you have lots of guests that come through, and everybody probably tells you the exact same thing. And so when you know that everybody's telling you the same thing, you know that it has to be real. You guys are blessed with some of the most amazing pastors, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. Would you give them a hand clap? Yeah, you can stand up. They're not here, but stand up and honor them for who they are. I mean, we've been friends for years, and what I love about them is what you see on stage, the same thing that's off stage. They're real. They're authentic. They're unapologetic about loving Jesus, more importantly about reaching all of San Diego and the world, for that matter, with the good news of Jesus. And so just know that you guys are in a special place. I mean, everything about C3 is just awesome. Like, even, like, the, the internship video. Like, I mean, that's just, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, everything is swag and it's fresh and it makes you want to be a part. Like, I don't know who the person was, like, standing behind the podium in the video, but all of that just draws you in. But that's really who you are. You're part of a special ministry. And so I'll just say this. As someone that's, I was a campus pastor at Life Church, the largest church in America, like 26 locations, 100 thousand people and I just said say this that like man don't take for granted like that you're a part of something that's really really special I mean what God is doing here in and through your pastors and through your leadership and the staff and the teams and and I, I, I truly believe this that that God is just getting started so again like man it's something special if you're on the sidelines get in the game and, you know, and you know, get in the game if if you're new, I saw some of you raise your hands like, man, you don't need to look any further. You're in a special place. Like, just figure out what you can do to get plugged in so God can use you in an amazing way. And so, um, again, I'm, I'm excited to be able to preach to you tonight. We're going we're gonna to have lots of fun. And, and I might say some random stuff. But at the end, I promise you this, that everything that I say, it's all going to, uh, to point towards Jesus. And you know what I'm saying? And so, and the cool thing about a ministry like this is, I mean, I know there's lots of young people in, in here. There's lots of college people in here. There's all ages in here. Is that, like, church wasn't like this when I was growing up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, as a matter of fact, like, you had an amazing children's ministry and what God's doing through the kids. Like, this stuff is really, really amazing. As a matter of fact, let's just go back a little bit to, to young Scott when he was in church, about eight years old. And so, y'all track with me. Young Scott's in church, about eight years old. And so, you know, we didn't have a children's ministry. Our children's ministry consisted of young Scott just doodling on the back of offering envelopes. You know what I'm saying? And so, young Scott is, is doodling on the back of offering envelopes, and this was before the whole, like, you know, vegan or, or gluten-free. I don't know what gluten is or what it did to people, but man, nobody likes it right now. You know what I'm saying? I have no idea what it is. And so, so my mom, like, children's ministry was me doing an offering envelope. She would give me some candy that, you know, some of you guys are probably too young to even know what it is. Like, she would give me circus peanuts. And then she would give me, by a show of hands, candy corn. You ever had a candy corn? Oh, wow, I'm impressed. Even young people eating candy corn. You know what I'm saying? And so, 
So young Scott, eight years old, he's in church and he's, he's eating on candy corn trying to, to make him last. And so I played games with the candy corn, just ate like the white off at first and then you, then you eat the yellow and then you throw in the orange, you know what I'm saying? So, so young Scott is just sitting there, he's eating candy corn, getting no ministry and doodling on offering envelopes. And then the preacher at my church when I was growing up, he, he's all up there be like, well, anybody, and the Lord said, aha, and if you keep doing what you're doing, you going to hell, aha, and, and, and Jesus, he hung out on the cross, aha, and the Easter ain't about no Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail, it's about Jesus, aha, and I'm like, mom, why is he so mad, he's just mad and angry. Church is like 10 gazillion hours long. Why is it so long? And then he'd be like, and this is just a little glimpse of what heaven is going to look like. Aha! Like, if this is what heaven's going to look like, send me to hell. Don't pass, go. Just straight to hell. And, And, um... Uh, where was I going? <laughs> uh, before we dive into God's word, uh, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. God, speak to our hearts. Amen. Oh, what, y'all, what y'all thought it was going to be some long-winded prayer? Just for the record, pastors, God listened to short prayers as well. You saw you got a lot of cheers and amen for that. I'm just saying, like... Sometimes I think God is like, get to the point. You know what I'm saying? Get to the, get, get to the point. And so uh, we're going to look at a, at a story tonight that's familiar to some of you in the Bible. For some of you, it may be new. And, and kind of what I like to do is just to, to preach the Bible. Is that okay with you guys? And so, uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the text in its entirety, and then I'm going to come back and, and unpack it verse by verse. This is a time in Scripture where where Jesus had been performing miracles. And he'd been performing miracles, and people hearing the stories about this miracle and that miracle. And you guys know how it is. When you start hearing the story about, about something that's happening amazing, like you want to know, like even if it's something that's not amazing, like a, a car wreck on one of these number highways you got around here, like if there's a car wreck, like everybody's stopping and looking because you want to see. And so imagine you hear a story of, of Jesus, he's performing these miracles, like people that, that couldn't see, they're seeing now, people that, that are being healed, they're no longer in a wheelchair, they're getting up and they're starting to walk, and, and people that had stage four, can you hear all these different stories of Jesus healing people? And so everybody's like, man, I got I to gotta see this, like, what's going on, like, what's happening, maybe I need to try to get in front of him. And here's what the Bible says, we're going to look at Luke 8, uh, we're going to start at verse 40, and I'm going to read all the way to verse 55. And then get, we'll unpack it um, um, chunk by chunk if that's okay with you guys. Okay, here's the Bible says. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. 
When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and, and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother, Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning and crying and whining and tripping. <laughs> Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and he said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. That's all that we need to hear. We can close our Bibles. We can put down our smartphones, and we literally, that's all the notes that we need to take. Everything is right there. But I really feel like that if that God has something special that he wants to speak to the hearts of every single person that's in here that's under the sound of my voice, that if you will open your spiritual eyes and you will open your spiritual ears, and more importantly, if you will open up your heart, God has something special that he wants to speak to you today. And what I want to do is I want to go ahead and set the stage for the players that we're looking at because, again, this story may not be familiar to some of you, but, but what you had, you had Jairus, who was the synagogue leader. And just to give you some context, like he was the big man on campus. He was the one that was re respected and held in high esteem. And, and so he's the one that would set the order of the service. And, and he was the one that would come out and make sure that everything was together. And, and he was the one that was all put together. And everybody looked at him with this, with this reverence. And so for, for, for Jairus, the synagogue leader, to, to reach out to Jesus, and, and he's held in his high esteem in this time. Here's the you know that he had to be in dire straits. In other words, his back was against the wall. And the same is true for us. That's when oftentimes we find ourselves really going to Jesus when, 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 our, when our back is against the wall and, and, and when we don't feel like we can get out of the situation and, and when, when that family member is struggling and the doctor has given them some bad news. That's when we say, Jesus. And that's when we want to reach out. And there's this woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. You may read a version and maybe hold it in the old school version where it says the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood, the woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And just to give you some, some context, and so this was someone, this is a woman who bled beyond her cycle. And I don't know if we have any kids in here. If we got kids in here, I'm talking about a, a motorcycle. Why you need to go to kids' church? <laughs> Aha! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, 
So this is a woman that bled beyond her cycle, and this is why this is important, that anything she touched would be ceremonially unclean. So if she touched this table, this table's unclean. This, this water's unclean. This cord is unclean. Anything she touched, if she touched this podium, it's unclean. If she touched the door walking into the church, the, the door is unclean, so you can't touch it. If she sat next to you and she touched that chair, that chair would be unclean. So I want you to think about it in context. And so think about her relationships. Everything she touched was considered unclean. I mean, some of you are thinking, man, I had a bad day. Really? Try being her for a day. For 12 years, and she tried everything. I mean, she depleted her savings account. She went to Dr. Oz. She went to Dr. Phil. She did everything she possibly could. Like, I'm just trying to find some answers because I have a big question. Like, that's what she did. She everything. No one could give her a solution. And she was becoming more and more anemic. She was on the verge of death, relationally and physically, as everything she touched was unclean. Her body was in dire straits. In other words, her back was against the wall. And when she found her back against the wall, she also heard the stories of of Jesus and how he'd been performing these miracles. And she was just thinking to herself, if I could only get in front of this man named Jesus who'd been performing these miracles. And that's what she started. So she started to to find a way so she could put herself in a position to get in front of Jesus. And I want you to think about this. Like she knew that that was the only thing she could do. She had to reach out and connect with Jesus. And, and the title of our, our talk today is, if you're taking notes, you can write this one down, is you have to stay connected to the pack. Everybody say pack. pack. Everybody say pack. pack. So this is the acronym, PACS. You got to stay connected to the pack. And I, what do you guys call these in your, at your house? I don't know what you guys call them in your house. Do you call this a, a square, a cube? What do you call them? Square, box. What'd you say? A charger. Just a charger. <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> So in my house, we call them the pack. And, and, and for some reason, how many of you got these disappear in your house by show of hands? And like, like my kids just swear up and down, it's dad leaves them in a hotel somewhere. And so like my boys will write their name on it. And so this pack, and so when we're talking about staying connected to the pack, this is a good illustration of what we're talking about with Jesus. Because here's the thing. If I want to charge my iPhone, right? I want to charge my iPhone and I'm ready to charge my iPhone. Will anything happen right now? No. But what happens is, is when once I connect to the the pack, then guess what? I can go and I can plug into an unlimited power source. And, and, and that's what this woman with the issue of blood, that's what she knew about Jesus. She knew that she had to, to reach out and connect to this power source that's known as Jesus. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. You can write it down. You have to connect to the power of Jesus. Everybody say power. power. You have to connect to the power of Jesus, verse 40 through 44. Here's what the text says. We'll read it again. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about how old? Twelve. Was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Then a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for how many years? 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, 
and immediately her bleeding stopped. And so you think about this woman, I think we got an image of like what this would look like. So this woman, she's sitting there, and so she's thinking, what do, what do I need to do? I need to reach out and touch the, the, the she's touched the edge of his cloak. She's touched the, she touched the fringe of his cloak, and yeah. she did. And when she did, immediately she was healed. And but what's important, we got to understand is like the only way she could do that, she had to reach out. And some of you are wondering, like, why you're not experiencing the blessing and breakthrough that you hear about your friends talking about, that you hear your pastors talking about. But guess what? You're not reaching out. You got like, to reach out and connect to the power source. I mean, some of you are running around and you're like, man, I'm trying to, like, I don't know why it's not working. I, I've tried this and you're, I've tried it. It's just, it's just not working. But you have to connect to the power of Jesus. And when you think about the story of this woman, what's interesting is, notice they don't call her Sally or, or Mary or, or Jenny or, or Claudia. What do they call her? They call her the woman who had been subject to bleeding or the woman with the issue of blood. In other words, they defined her by her condition. And that's what happens in our life. If your condition persists long enough, you will begin to be defined by your condition and called by your condition other than what God has called you. And oftentimes the people that are putting that label on you are oftentimes the ones that are closest to you. Some of you may have heard this, you're just like your daddy. And they're not saying it in a good way. Don't be trifling just like your mama. And people, I mean, those, and those are the stories that you're here. Or, or maybe the, the thing is, it's, it's Bob the alcoholic. Wow. Or let's just get real. It's John that, that spends all of his time looking at porn. Wow. Wow. Or it's Sally who's promiscuous. She can't keep a man. And everybody knows it. So-and-so trying to keep up with the Joneses, spending money he don't have, trying to please people that don't even care. But that's what happens. These labels, you, those labels begin to define you. And so you have to be real careful about these labels and how you let these labels define you. Because I'm here to tell you, like, you got, if, if, if others are not speaking something positive over you and some labels over you, you need to look in the mirror and begin to speak them over yourself. I, I mean, that's what I do with my sons. My boys are 14 years old and 18 years old. And I'm telling you, I look at them right now and tell you, like, man, what God is going to do through them. Do you understand what the name Williams is? I'm telling you, God is going to use you to do some amazing things. Here's the, you're going to go to college, and God is going to take you to a whole nother level. Every single time you walk in a room, something special is going to happen. It was just a little bit of a setback, but that setback is a setup for your success. Don't worry about that. God's got something special for you. Whatever you want to do, whatever you put your mind to, you can do it. And so I'm here to say, maybe you're 14 in here, you're 18 in here, you can be world changer number two, because I've already spoke world changer number one over my boys. <laughs> but but you got to be careful the labels that you allow people to put on you, because you start believing in them. Yeah. I am, maybe I can't do it, or maybe I'm just uh, this, yeah. or maybe that's never going to work. But you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I saw this play out masterfully during the election. And this is not a political statement for everybody start tripping and all that. Like, this is just some revelation that the Lord gave me from the election. You know what I'm saying? And so during the campaign process, one of the things that President Trump was masterful at doing was putting labels on his opponents. What did he call Marco Rubio? Little Marco. 
What did he call Jeb Bush? Choke artist Jeb. What did he call Ted Cruz? Lion Ted. What did he call Hillary Clinton? Crooked Hillary. And so what happens is subliminally, you don't even understand it, but those labels begin to like, oh, maybe that is the case or maybe that is the situation. And some of you guys are like, oh, well, but that's the same thing that's happened to you. You walking into a room carrying the labels that other people put on you instead of carrying the labels that God put on you. You see, in life, you have two choices. You can elevate your problems or you can elevate your promise. But let me tell you this, whichever one you elevate is the one that's covering you. You can elevate, oh, this is just, you don't understand, I'm always going to be broke. I ain't going to never get a man. I can't find a great woman. This is just a story of my life. I'm telling you this, if this is just a story of your life, you need to get a new author. Or you can elevate the promises of God and what he says that he has for you. And that you're more than a conqueror. He didn't say that you can do all things, some things or what. No, through Christ, like what? This is elevate what God says about you. And I'm telling you, when you truly do that and you truly connect to the power of Jesus, that's when you're going to see something amazing happen. That's why I love this story. Is that Jesus is on his way to perform one miracle and he stops and does another miracle on the way. I mean, right now he could be on his way somewhere in L.A. on the 405. There's a critical accident that's happening right now. But he, he could stop right here at the central campus because he has a miracle he needs to perform on the hearts of some people that are in this room. There's some healing that some people that need to have. There's some breakthrough that people have. There's some people that's on the sideline that he's going to put them in the game tonight because that's the God we serve. Miracle, blessing, breakthrough. That's not something it's in here. That's something that's happening here and now. So the second thing, if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. Submit to the authority of Jesus. Everybody say authority. Verse 45, who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. This is critical. Listen to this. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came and trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, didn't care what nobody thought, could care less. Like, I don't care what people think. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. I mean, think about it. This woman with the issue of blood, she reached out and connected to the power of Jesus. But isn't this a powerful illustration that Jesus is putting us on notice? He said that what? I know that power has gone out from me. So what he's telling you, sir, what he's telling you, ma'am, what he's telling you, couples, is that you will just reach out and connect to the power, that power that's in me. It can flow to you, and I understand that it's going to flow to you. But here's the other thing that he says. He says the, the woman, she realized that she couldn't go unnoticed. And so I'm here to, some of you guys, you think you're just kind of sliding in and, and God don't know what you're doing and, and, all, and you're just coming in, praise the Lord. I'm trying to get in that internship. I served the most high and you got the most high last night. I'm just trying to say like, let's just, uh, oh, oh, is it, oh, because I'm, oh, what, what, we, what, we going to be real? Like, I'm just, let's just keep it 100. And here's that, that's the deal. And you're wondering, like you, I'm telling you, you got to. You got to come clean. Matter of fact, you got to come clean in order to become clean. 
Let me say that one more time because that's some real good preaching. I don't know if you're taking notes or respond, but you got to come clean in order to become clean. The woman with the issue of blood, she's like, she didn't say, oh, it wasn't me, dog. I ain't touched you. I right, man, it's a whole big crowd. Somebody over there, they touch you. Man, you touch Jesus, you tripping. Why are you touching all on his clothes? <laughs> touching on his clothes. Man, brother trying to walk through, move. You know what I'm saying? Like, she, she said, Jesus, it was, it was me. Man, I, I did it. She came clean. And it's something amazing that happens. Because you're not fooling God. Some of you clicked on porn before you came here. Some of you are, are having an inappropriate relationship with someone that you work with right now, and you're married. And you know what it is, and you want to, I'm honoring God with my body. Yeah. Honoring, yes, yeah, what? Let's be speaking of come clean, like, I'm just going to come clean and be real with you guys. Like, I haven't always been a preacher. I haven't always had the opportunity to go around the world and share God's word and, and speak in front of Fortune 500 corporations, do keynote. That hasn't been my story. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't do the C3 internship. I didn't do a C4, a C5. I didn't do no internship. Like, I didn't do none of that. You know, our oldest son is Scott Wesley Williams Jr. And just, he was in our wedding. You do the math. You know what I'm saying? Like, some of y'all like, mmm. Hey, and, here's the, and I don't say that to be like, whatever. I just say that because when people say, Scott, when did this whole, like, like you're talking about, like, come, come and clean and, and submit to the authority and the reverence and awe of who Jesus is, when did it happen for you? It's easy. It's when we call him Wesley, when Wesley was born. So how long I've been running after Jesus? 18 years and some months. Because the thing is, it's like, once I was like, okay, the reverence and awe of who he is and what God can do. And, and we heard just earlier in the announcements that, like, there's power in your story and your testimony, but you got to be willing to share it. Some of you sit there, I don't know, I can't do this, I can't do that. Man, come clean and watch what God is going to do through you. Because he deserves us to submit to the reverence and awe of who he is. Now, I will say this, as Wesley's gotten older, you know, and he's like, a preacher's kid, and he started looking at wedding pictures, asked me and, and my wife, LaKendra, like, how was I in y'all's wedding? <laughs> like, boy, you heard the story of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> Aha! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you were so special, God gave you to us early. <laughs> Aha! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, I mean, I'm thinking about this reverence and all, like, like, the authority of like who like God is like my, since my boys were young I always told them like you know authority I'm from the south or the Midwest whatever you consider Oklahoma when you when you greet somebody like that res respect and that authority you you what do you do you you give them a firm handshake and you you look them in the eyes and you say hi I am Wesley Williams and you tell them your name and that's what you do and so ever since they were young that's why I was greet them with a firm handshake say hi I am Wesley Wins. what he would do. And so it's that whole authority, like just respect. And we're talking about respecting like God and who he is and, and the authority and submitting to it. And that's what I would teach from a very young age. As a matter of fact, I want, because everybody's got a special name and your name means something amazing. And God is not surprised by what he's going to do in and through you. He just wants you to understand it. As a matter of fact, on the count of three, we're going to say I am. And then everybody's going to say their name. Like don't say their name. Don't say Wesley Williams. You're going to say all of your unique and amazing names. You're going to yell it out, okay? That's easy on the count of three. One, two, 
three. I am. I got people just yelling out their names. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm thinking of names and like we start talking about I am. I mean, one of the names that we refer to Jesus is is the great I am. I am that I am. The only great I am. And do you think it's ironic that before we can even introduce ourselves and tell somebody who we are, we have to acknowledge who he is? I am Scott Williams. So the next time you introduce yourself to somebody and you say, I am, just let that be a reminder that you're submitting to the, the authority of the great I am. Last thing if you're taking notes is this. You have to trust in the completeness of Jesus. Everybody say completeness. completeness. If you notice, I'm spelling the word pack. This is really cute. <laughs> Power, authority, completeness. Everybody with me? Yes. Power, authority, completeness. Verse 48. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Said, your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, not let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning and crying and yelling and screaming and tripping. And Jesus says, stop wailing. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once, she stood up. You see, some of you have had dreams and, and visions that you know that God has given you. But because of your situation and circumstance, you've kind of, you, you've given up on them. And, and, and the people have told you, that, man, that's dead. Why are you still trying to do that? You think you're going to get pregnant? Really? That's dead. Give up on that. The doctors already told you can't get pregnant. You think you're going to be in full-time ministry? What if they know your real story? I'm here to tell you, those dreams aren't dead. They're just asleep. But the question is, it's like, what are you going to do about it? And so trusting in the completeness of Jesus, we're talking about what we're saying. That's about faith. It's about how much faith do you really have? Do you have the faith to see it through? Because the Bible speaks of three types of faith. Little faith, God can do this. Great faith, God will do this. And perfect faith, it's as good as done. And Jesus wants you to have that perfect faith that you walk in like, man, it's as good as done. What amazes me is we have Christians that run around here claiming they got faith and I trust the Lord. I'm just trusting in the Lord. Really? I can't tell by your Facebook posts. 
I mean, I got people all the time, they worry like, Pastor Scott, you ain't worried about North Korea? No. No, I'm not. I mean, y'all tripping and worried about everything. Man, black folks don't like white folks, and President Trump is tripping, and the world's coming to an end, and I'm complaining about this, and I'm complaining about that, and here's there, and we're going to get a bomb shot on us, and this is going to happen, and I can't do this, and I can't pay my bills, and this is going to go high, and I'm worried about this, and I'm worried about that, and how I'm going to go to school, and what am I going to do? And they think this, and everybody's so stupid, and they don't like me, and they can't use me, and what is going on? And then I post a picture of a, a laughing monkey in between all of my complaining, <laughs> And all of my stuff that I'm doing, it's just like, what is going on? Here's the deal. Man, you got to trust that God is going to show up and your situation is going to blow up. Whatever it is that you're facing. But you got to have the faith. I mean, if you think about it with Jesus and his disciples in Matthew 8, when, when his disciples, they're in the boat and they're on their way to the other side. And I love this about the story is that the, the, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. You're talking about connecting to the power source. They're in the boat with the power source. They got plugs all around the boat. And they're in the boat with Jesus. And the waves and the storms start coming up against the boat. And, and some of you got some waves and storms coming up against your life. Waves and storms come up against your family member's life. And, and, and the, the disciples are like, Jesus, wake up. We're, we're, we're going to die. Jesus did two things in that moment. First thing he did, he, he looked at the storm and said, shh, peace, shh, you, be still. Look at the disciples like, why do you have such little faith? And this is the point in the sermon where someone will come behind me and play keys to make me sound a lot more spiritual. put verse 50 back up there again. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, semicolon, just believe, and she will be healed. You see, this semicolon is an interesting piece of punctuation. It's been around since the 1400s. Altus Matanaeus was, was a writer, and, and what he did with the semicolon is, I mean, here's the deal. The semicolon was the emoji before we had emoji. It's like the, the winking little whimsical symbol that, you know what I'm saying? And, and some of you guys that have an Android, you might still have to use it, because I don't know if you got emojis, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know. But what the semicolon means is that where a sentence was supposed to end, he said, or the story was supposed to end. No, it's not. The story's going to continue on. And we serve an amazing God that puts semicolons in all of our stories. And I'm telling you this, matter of fact, every time that I say semicolon, I want you to yell out, just believe. Semicolon. Just believe. Semicolon. Just believe. Here's the, your situation is this, man. You've been through a lot. Everybody doesn't know your story. Maybe you were molested when you were young and, and you've held on to the, all this resentment and the people are saying there's no way that you can ever be pure. There's no way that God can ever restore you. There's no way that you can ever be in a great and meaningful relationship as a result of a semicolon. Yes. 
You got a family member that's got stage four cancer. The doctor says, I don't care what you're doing. You don't even need to try anymore because they're not going to make it, but you're believing in faith that they're going to be healed. Semicolon. Here's the deal. Maybe you got alcoholics and you're a third generation. You're supposed to be an alcoholic. And they say, you know what? You're just like your daddy and that's what you're going to do. And that's who you're going to be. But you're saying, you know what? I, that's not who I'm going to be because you serve an amazing God and you know that God has something special for you. And the reason why it's not because semicolon. I don't care what you're facing today. In a room this size, I know we have people that are struggling with porn. I know we got people that are not honoring God with their body. I know we got people that are not honoring their marriage. I know we got people that need healing. I know that we got people that are insecure and they're, 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 they're faking it to make it. I know we got people that are just trying this whole church thing and they're, they're just going through the motions. But I also know that we serve an amazing God. If you would just do your part, connect to his power, submit to his authority, and trust in the total completeness of who he is, your life is going to be different because semicolon. You know, the woman with the issue of blood was how many years? Jairus' daughter was how old? How many pearly gates? Just, just, just keep going if you don't know. If you don't know, 12. 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus said, how many disciples? 12 disciples. And 12 months a year, and it happens to be the 12th month, you have access to the same healing power that the woman with the issue of blood did. But you got to tap into it. And the number 12, you can Google it when you leave here and want to know the meaning of it. It literally means power, authority, and completeness. The pack. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the, you're in California, you should, but the California Penal Code for Murder is 187. And the number 12 is used in the Bible 187 times. And I think it's just a reminder that your adversary, he wants to murder your dreams. He wants to murder your vision. He wants to murder everything that God has that's special for you. Right now, he's murdering some of your thoughts because some of you are going, you've been kicking the whole tires. And here in a few moments, you're going to have the opportunity to make the most important decision of your life. And you're going to make the decision to surrender your life to Jesus. But, but what the enemy is doing right now, that's the only thing he can do is whisper in your ear and put doubt and put negativity. He's trying to murder the, the best decision of your entire life. He's trying to murder steps that's going to change the course of your trajectory and generations to come but you're going to you're going to push him out you're not going to listen to what he's saying because you're going to connect to the pack God sent me thousands of miles to come here today just to share that some of you thought you were so far and yet you're just you're so close and here in a few moments, you're going to be even closer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the healing power of your word, God. And 
all across this room right now, if you'd be honest enough just to say, God, like, I'm sick and tired of trying to fake it to make it. And, and you'd be honest for God and say, God, I, I haven't totally connected to your power like I need to, Lord. I haven't totally submitted to your authority like I need to, God. And you know what, God? But my faith needs to be increased. I can have more faith all across this room. If that's your prayer right now, just raise your hand. It should be hands going up all over the place. And I'm just going to pray for you. God, I pray right now for every single person that's raising their hand, God, as they're making the decision to say, you know what, God, I want more of you, God. As they submit to your authority, God, do something amazing in your life, Lord. Begin to increase their faith, Lord. Right now, I see the chains of addiction that are being broken right now. I see people that lack confidence are going to walk out these doors with the confidence in you. I see couples that didn't think they could get pregnant, that they're going to see a positive pregnancy within the next month, God. God, I see amazing blessing and break that's going to happen because your people are making the decision to connect to the pack. You can put your hands down now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed. It's the most important part of our time together today. Because what breaks my heart is that when I go speak to a crowd this size, especially with young and old, is that I know that as I leave this room that there's some people that if life were to end today, they're not confident they spend eternity in heaven. I'm not asking you, have you sang a church song? Have you read your Bible? Have you served at C3? I'm asking you, have you ever truly made that decision to step across a spiritual line and to invite Jesus to come into your life, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to wash your sins away, and to make you brand new? And there's some of you that can't answer that question with an emphatic yes, but here in a few moments, you're going to have the opportunity to do so because there's so many people that are going to miss heaven by 12 inches because they have a head knowledge, but they don't have a heart acceptance. But that's not going to be the case for you. So if you're here tonight and you say, you know what? God is stirring something in my chest. That's the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you near. So if you're saying, you know what, Pastor Scott? Today's the day of my salvation. So if you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to wash my sins away. I want you to make me brand new. If that's you and that's your prayer, right where you are, raise your hand up high right now. You're making a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. Raise your hand high right now. Others of you, raise your hand high right now. In the far back over here, right here in the middle, I see you right Right there, sir. I see all three of you right there over here to my left. Others of you. Over here, two of you right there. Others of you. Others of you. We're going to wait. Here's the deal. This is the most important decision of your entire life. We'll be patient because the enemy's whispering in your ear, that's not for you. But God is saying, yes, this is for you. So one last time, if that's you and that's your prayer, right where you are, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. I see you, ma'am. See you back here in the back. All right, C3, here's what we're going to do. Is we're going to pray this prayer in faith out loud together as a church family. Every single voice praying this prayer together. In the end, we're going to celebrate the life change that's happening right here in our presence. I want every single person to repeat this prayer after me saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. Today I choose to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Change me and make me brand new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, C3. Let's give it up for the amazing God that we serve. We serve an amazing God. Our God is awesome. I'm telling you, don't take for granted what just happened right here. 
Some churches will go an entire lifetime and what God is doing in this room, what God is doing here each and every week is special. Let God use you. Connect to the pack. Generations are going to be changed because of the decisions that you're making tonight. God bless you guys. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.